Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. I gotta knock off all the dust here. Try to get back on the horse. It's been so long, so long since I've sat down to record another episode of Sacred City Vision Drip. I'm glad to have you with us. Uh, but I, uh, I took a couple weeks off. I, I spent some time in solitude, uh, and then I, I just had some time um, to sit down with one of our Porterbrook uh, guest speakers, Hugh Halter, and uh, record a podcast. And and so I am finally getting back to what I started. Um, at the beginning of January, I know there's been some stuff sort of like interfused in between this, but I really wanted to spend time unpacking um, the 2021 vision that I shared with the church way back at the beginning of January as we celebrated our four-year anniversary. Um, and and really what um, what I, I've been praying for, and I hope you've been joining me, we've, we've had those bookmarks and we've got stuff circulating online, uh, just kind of as a reminder of this is what we're praying that God would do um, in us as individuals within our missional communities and, and ultimately with our church at large, um, is that we want to see God do a couple things. We, we want to know more. We want to know more about God. We want to not just have more intellectual understanding of God, um, but to have a deepening and ever deepening relationship with, with him, to, to, to grow um, an intimate relationship with Jesus. And so we're asking God to know more, that we're filled with the knowledge of God, as Paul prayed. Um, in the book of Colossians as he's praying for the church there. And also, uh, the next piece of this prayer was that we want to do good. So uh, as as we know more about God, we want to see our lives transformed to the image of Christ. Um, and so we're praying, God, would you make us into a certain kind of people, a certain kind of people who lives into uh, the good works which you have prepared uh, for us to do, even before we were saved, you had these good works in line. So this, whether it be a certain kind of lifestyle, a way that's that's just Jesus centered, um, of of generosity, of compassion, uh, of humility, but also stepping into really some tangible stuff within our neighborhoods, our workspaces, uh, within our friends, our family networks, things like that, to step in and to do good. Um, so as we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that's fully pleasing to Him. We want to be a people who bears good fruit. Um, and so uh, that was the second piece of the prayer. And then today I want to talk about the third piece of the prayer, uh, which is a joyfully endure. And then next time, or maybe, you know, maybe at this pace it'll be like in April or May, I get around to the whole uh, fourth piece, which is worship hard. But today I just want to sit down in this concept and, and unpack what we're actually talking about um, that and asking God for when we say, God, help us to joyfully endure. Um, one of the things that I thought uh, about these four, you know, the, in the moment, the circumstances called 
for this third thing to joyfully endure is maybe the most pressing thing of all the things that we're praying this year. Um, 2020 was a hard year, and I know you've heard that a thousand times, maybe a million times. Um, it was a tough year. It was a year that just people felt like constant setbacks, um, things not going right, um, whether that be on Sunday mornings with you know doing virtual stuff and going outside and then coming inside, having to wear masks, all of this stuff. It's just like it, it just never felt like it was quite right. You, you've got uncertainty with your job, right? Am I going to get laid off? Um, is this going to affect the business? My cash flow is going to affect my family. Uh, and then there's just the underlined worry. I, I hope I don't get sick. And, you know, and honestly, the worry, the, the worry about getting sick typically is worse than actually getting sick in most cases. You know, there's some people who are definitely uh, more susceptible, more at risk uh, with COVID. But, but, you know, for the most part, um, is the fear of COVID that was actually outpacing the actual damage of COVID for, uh, especially the people in, in Sacred City Moline. Um, and, and so there's that whole COVID thing going on. We've got the racial uh, injustice stuff, like that that whole wave crashed up again and the Georgia of, of, uh, with the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and, and uh, Breonna Taylor and, and a bunch of questions being asked. And, of course, it's right in the middle of an election c- uh, cycle, and so you, you've got the right and the left going head-to-head. And in, in a lot of churches, you feel this really strong, strong pull of division. Um, you've got the economic stuff mentioned that already. You've got the, uh, um, and then you've got, um, what else was crazy about this year? Um, I mean, there was just so much stuff, just so much stuff going on. Um, that, oh yeah. UFOs guys, do you remember the government was like, yeah, by the way, we saw aliens flying around, you know, so much stuff, crazy stuff going on. Um, and, and so there was just all kinds of stuff that was going on um, with COVID, with the uh, social climate, uh, with the political climate, with just the pure craziness and adaptation and just church life, you know, g- getting frustrated and it's hard to engage and people discouraged, feel like I'm so disconnected, you know, all that stuff. And so as I was thinking through at the beginning of 2021, what, what we need to pray for, this is one of the reasons why Paul's prayer stood out the most to me. Because here in verse 11, this is Colossians chapter 1, um, in verse 11, he's, he's praying, he's like, okay, I want you to be, I want you to be strengthened, um, I, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God, I want you to walk in a manner where they're full, fully pleasing of the Lord, um, bearing fruit. And then he says, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his marvelous might for all endurance and patience with joy, with joy. Now this is, this is crazy because I think you can hear about people saying, Hey, I'm going to endure and I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to put my head down and get through it. And we're going to press through it. Whether, and, and people, you know, if you have this mentality at your work, I'm just going to put my head down and do it and, and sort of like, you know, treat it as a paycheck um, you, you've got that, I'm feeling it right now, I'm in the middle of the diet, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty joyless, to be honest with you, because I'm missing some of the foods that I like to eat the most, uh, but I'm putting my head down, I'm pushing through it, but here, Paul says um, that you would joyfully endure, and and so what he's pointing to is the fact that, listen, there are going to be hardships, in fact, that's what, he, that's what endurance is, uh, it is the the realization? It's like this r- relentless, uh, a, a relentless pushing forward in the midst of hardships, in the midst of setbacks. And man, like you could just say, twenty twenty was a straight up setback. Um, and and so here we're saying, listen, 
regardless of what's going on in our society, what's what's going on in the church, what's going on in the political climate, what's going on uh, with coronavirus, we want to keep pressing on. Like we're, we're going to resist the temptation for apathy because that's really what happens is, and in fact, this is one of the, the enemy, this is Satan, one of Satan's greatest schemes uh, is to get us fired up about something and get the ball moving, get that momentum rolling, and then just like yank that out from underneath of us, right? And, and then when you hit that spot, the question then is, what are you going to do? Are you going to, uh, you know, throw your hands up and say, well, I tried and I guess that wasn't good enough, so I quit, right? So you bail on it. Or, or you eventually just get so tired of so much, so so many setbacks that you, you begin to, to develop this sort of apathy uh, and like uh, a, a cynical expectation of, of frustration happens. Now, we shouldn't be... Um, w- w- uh, what's the word I'm thinking? We shouldn't be like simple-minded in the sense thinking like, okay, well, as long as we're with Jesus, everything's going to be up and to the right. Well, actually, no. Like Jesus says, you're going to find yourself in a place where you're persecuted. You're going to find yourself in a place of trials and tribulations. You're going to find yourself, and and really, uh, he says like, sometimes it's going to come down to the fact that you're a Christian, and that's simply it. Right, that, that you profess faith in me and you're trying to live your life as a disciple of Jesus, surrendering all of your life to his lordship, you're going to face uh, difficulties. And so we want to, in this season, looking forward, and, and right now it's encouraging because it looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel with COVID. Um, it looks like things are changing. We're turning around. There, there, there's just a lot of positive things going on with the vaccines, uh, with um, you know, herd immunity being developed between the vaccines and also people who've been exposed and have uh, rebounded from COVID. Uh, the, the weather's ch- turning so people can be back outside more often. You know, so there's just a lot of good things where it feels like we're at the, at the, um, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We can see it. Um, and, and we want to just keep pressing forward. We don't want to lose sight of the mission. We don't want to lose sight of what God's calling us to here as a church that we would give ourselves uh, to this work sort of you know, in some ways, putting our heads down, but but doing so uh, joyfully. Okay, this is the key of it, and and really, we we borrow this. I mean, Paul, like he's he, what he's talking about here when he alludes to this. He's he's speaking back to Jesus, and he says, "For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross." Jesus saw the biggest obstacle, the biggest hardship, the biggest you know trial. Uh, in, in the course of human history, and it was for the joy that was set before him, he kept pressing on. Okay, and so that should be true for us as Christians. It's not that we just, you know, um, you know, kind of grumpily endure, right? We don't, do, we don't endure as a bunch of grumps, but we do so joyfully, knowing that our, our suffering unites us in, in with Christ, right? We're, we're grafted into him. We get to share in the suffering of Christ. We get to know him more in that regard. And so there's all kinds of joy to be had as we joyfully endure. Now, th- the reason why we can joyfully endure is because we are people who believe in the resurrection, we are people who ultimately have our hope fixed in a resurrected and now living Savior who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is ruling all things, that, that all of the principalities, all of the powers of this world have been put beneath his feet. They're under his feet as a footstool. And so we see this living Savior in heaven who's ruling and reigning right now who has liberated us from sin, death, and the grave, right? It's lost its power. Its presence is still here. One day, Jesus is going to push it out. But that's the hope that we have, that one day there will become a point where endurance isn't even a thing. Like, 
because there's nothing to endure. There's nothing bad to press through. Like, can you think of that? Like, eternity with Jesus. Now, there's going to be hard, like hard work, rewarding work that we get to give ourselves to, right? But but not the same kind of endurance that that's required in this life right now. And so it's it's the hope that's set before us. The fact that the new heavens, new earth is coming. The kingdom of heaven is here now, and it's expanding right before our eyes. And we, we have this hope in that reality that gives us a sense of joy so, so that everything that I do in the name of Jesus is going to last for eternity, right? Every good work that I do now, right? Every time I open up my Bible and, and my heart it gravitates more and more to Jesus, it, it's just beginning to work. It, it's laying the foundation for this new heavens, new earth reality that we have when all things will be made right. And so that is why we keep pressing on. Right, um, and Paul talks about this. Um, I think to the to the um, to the Corinthians. Right, he fought the good fight. He 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 kept going on. He kept pressing on for what was ahead of him. Right, and so look, we have this mentality, uh, this joyful mentality, this hope that's drawing us forward. But here is the key thing about this: that we do so, we joyfully endure, not in our own strength not with our own grit, not with our own sort of aptitude, our ability to, to sort of just press, press, press forward. But Paul says this. This is crazy. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Whoa. So this whole thing about joyfully enduring, uh, honestly, like if you're knowing more of Jesus... Right, if you're growing in your knowledge of God, this isn't something that I've got to like pull myself up by the bootstraps to do. Right, there is some there is some preaching the gospel to yourself that's going to happen, but ultimately this is coming from the power of God that's at work in in you. Right, that's moving through you. In fact, one of the things that that struck me um, when when Paul's talking about this his ministry, he says, um, "For this I toil, struggling." with all his energy, that's Jesus's energy, that he powerfully works within me. Guys, I love this. This has captivated my imagination for the last year because th- there's been times where personally I've been I've been discouraged. Personally where I've been like, well, I don't know what's going to happen next, you know. Um, there's been times where I'm like, I just, you know, can I keep going? Can I, can I keep doing this? But I've seen that it's the power of Jesus at work in me. It's his energy. It's not me needing to muster up my energy, my, 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 my mojo to make this happen. It's drawing from the power of Christ that he has implanted in me through his Holy Spirit, right? According to his glorious might, not my glorious might or, or non-glorious might. It's according to the might of Jesus. And so this is a a picture here that just, honestly, for me, it just propels me into the next piece about worshiping hard, right? To joyfully endure. And if if the only way that I can joyfully endure, and really, honestly, that's where a lot of the joy comes from. It's because I get to draw from Jesus more and more and more. I get to know him more and more and more in my sufferings and this toil. I get to know him more. And it's a joyful experience, which then propels me right into worship right? Right into Thanksgiving. And so this, this thing of, of joyfully enduring, yeah, we press on. 
We, we, we follow in the footsteps of, of those faithful men and women before us who have blazed the tra- trail, right? Those people who have given their lives to Jesus in faithful obedience to him, um, not wavering, you know, may, maybe a little bit here and there, but, but that their hope is anchored in Jesus and that pulls them forward. They draw from the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we want to follow in their footsteps. Now, I, I've been reading this book um, with the elders of Sacred City Davenport um, by, by um, Leslie Newbegin. Um, and I just love this part. Um, he talks about, let me see if I can find it. Um, he talks about the church being the most joyful people on the face of the planet. Like, if you really understand what's happened in the gospel at all times, we should be the most joyful people on the face of the planet. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we don't suffer. That doesn't mean we don't grieve. That doesn't mean we don't mourn, right? Uh, we've got the Psalms to back us up on all that stuff. So if you're in that spot, you're good. But listen, there, there's, there's this call uh, that Paul has here. He's like, even though we're in sorrow, we're rejoicing. See that that's sort of the, the buoyancy that we have in the gospel, right? You know what I mean? Like if you think of a, uh, of a, a buoy that's out um, off the, o- you know, on the ocean there, um, that marks sort of where the coastline is, like this buoy is tethered. And, and, it, and the buoy, what makes it buoyant, it keeps it the air in it, keeps it above the water. So no matter when the waves crash, the waves are going to come and it might get covered up for a minute. It might get hidden in the waves for a minute. But that thing's going to pop right back up. It's it's not going anywhere. It's fixed right there. And so that's what the gospel does for us. Yeah, there's going to be waves that crash into us that cover up. Maybe we'll have a wave of grief, right? We'll go through a season of, of hardship and, and our hearts are mourning. But in the gospel, we have reason to pop back up. We got that joyful endurance, uh, that joy working for us. And so we pull from the glorious might of Jesus. We're strengthened with all his power. And so we can press on with joy and with patience. Now, um, oh, let me, let me, so joy here. I want to talk about this. I, I think that this, this joyful endurance might be one of the greatest apologetics for Christianity. The, the church, the early church experienced so much persecution and, and even think about it now, like right now in South America, in China, in, uh, North Korea or South Korea, places where, uh, Christianity is sort of off limits, uh, the church of Jesus is expanding at like an incredible rate. Okay. Um, and it's because people can sense joy. Pe- people can sense like they, they're drawn to joyful people. Now, uh, <laughs> I have a tendency to be kind of a grump, right? And and, and some sometimes I feel like, man, I, I'm not very. I'm in I'm in my head and I'm in my feelings. I'm being a grump, and I just know that this is not very appealing to people. Like people kind of stay away from me with the ten foot pole. But when I when I have this joy, right, when the joy of my salvation is just burning hot in my soul. I, I can tell the difference. That people kind of like lean into me a little bit more, and I think that's what happens overall. With the church, that as the church, even in the face of every hardship, every persecution, they keep on pressing forward. They have this joy that can't be snuffed out. And with that, it's just a powerful apologetic to what the gospel is and how deeply we're loved in Christ, right? That, that we could say it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Now, uh, Leslie Newbegin, going back to here, I got distracted there. Um, he He's talking about the mission of the church, right? Uh, of... of um, proclaiming the gospel, of demonstrating the gospel. Um, and he says this. He says, mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. 
The news that rejected that the rejected and cru- crucified Jesus is alive is something that cannot possibly be suppressed. It must be told. Who could be silent about such a fact? The mission of the church in the pages of the New Testament is more like a fallout from a vast explosion, a radioactive fallout, which is not lethal, but life-giving. See, this is the kind of potency that a, a joyfully and enduring people can have. Like uh, outsiders look at and say, whoa, something is happening. A radioactive fallout, which is not lethal, but life-giving. Isn't that crazy? Right? And, and this, is, this is really where the mission of the church sort of like flows out of, this, this overflow of joy, this joyful endurance. Now, he, he goes on here, um, if I can find it, um, I'm just flipping through here. He goes on and he's talking about, okay, he says, um, he, he's talking about, there's an interesting fact. Within the New Testament, there's not a lot of commands for mission, right? We see mission happening, uh, but, but what's actually commanded um, he says, and I suppose this is why the letters of St. Paul contain so many exhortations to faithfulness, but no exhortations to be active in mission. See, where the, he goes, where the church is faithful to its Lord, there the powers of the kingdom are present and the people begin to ask the question, which the gospel is the answer. See, so it's in this way where we're, we're joyfully enduring, right? Mission is an explosion of joy. It's a life-giving radioactive fallout. And the church doesn't need to be commanded to do this because uh, if we're if we're coming face to face with the gospel, it's just going to spill out of us naturally. But then here here he says the exhortation is not to continue to be active in mission, but to remain faithful. So that I think this is where we we see this connection between faithfulness, patience, and endurance, right? Because that's the command here of Paul in, in in this prayer, or you know, as he's praying for the church in Colossae. Um, he's praying for endurance and patience. And I think a way that you can just kind of link those two together is by saying faithfulness, that there would be joyful faithfulness in what God is doing in the work that he's doing in our lives, within our missional community family, within the church at large, within, you know, I mean, to be part of a church, church planting network that's planting churches globally, right? To see what God is doing in our midst, that we keep pressing forward, Right, because because we're people of hope. Now, I I do know one of the verses that I, I've come back to often um, is in the book of Galatians, uh, when the apostle Paul says, "Hey, don't don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of doing good." He says, "For in due time, you will reap a good harvest." So as we do good, as we live our lives in community and on mission, as we live Jesus-shaped lives, as we go deeper and deeper into relationship with Jesus, we keep pressing on through the face of trials and temptations and tribulations, we joyfully endure with the power of Jesus at work in us, we get to see what God is doing. We get to be part of this redemptive work that God's doing in the Quad Cities. And so I hope this encourages you guys. I'm honestly, probably this... I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm the most encouraged that I may have ever been in my entire life right now because I see God doing all kinds of stuff. I see all kinds of faithfulness. I see all kinds of postures of, of, of repentance and faith, which is bringing good gospel fruit forward. I see people doing good, living more into their identity in Christ. I see people deepening in their understanding the relationship with Jesus. And so I've just been so grateful to see that, and it gives me all kinds of hope. It gives me all kinds of, of just like 
uh, motivation, all kinds of like feels like momentum behind me to keep pressing on and joyfully enduring. Because at the end of the day, whatever hardship I face, whatever hardship we face as a church, Jesus is worth it, period. Jesus is worth it, period. And so let us no more do good, joyfully endure, and worship hard.